Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Everyone together Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanaruktamam Devim Sarasatim Yasam Tato Jayamudirayet Nashta Prayeshva Badreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Shloke Bhakti Bhavati Naishtiki We're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai Canto 8 Chapter 13 Description of Future Manus And in this chapter we're getting lots of names Lists of names. Today is, I've been told, also the uh, day of Bhishma Dev's appearance, Bhishmashtami, yes, Bhishmashtami. So we'll speak something about uh, Bhishma Dev. And um, in the presence of all of you exalted Vaishnavas, I want to beg your blessings that. I can say something um, relevant, appropriate, and in some way enlivening. And um, also, I request your participation. I, I was thinking it would be nice to hear from you. I don't know if we have a second microphone, but uh, about your appreciation of uh, of Bhishma Dev. So you can be thinking about this. What is it that I especially appreciate about Bhishma Dev? Do we have a second microphone? Good. Okay. I think I'm going to jump to the verse that we uh, uh, have written on the board, which is verse number 11. Um, this is verses one through ten without purports, and then we have verse number eleven. So this is Shukadev Goswami speaking, and he says, Ashtamentara ayate, Ashtamentara ayate, Savarnir Manu. Savarnir Bhavitamanu Nirmoka Virajaskadya Nirmoka Virajaskadya Savarni Tanayanripa Savarnin Tanayanripa Ashtame the eighth Antare Manu's period Ayate when arrived Savarni Savarni Bhavita will become Manu, the eighth Manu, Nirmoka, Nirmoka, Virajaska Adya, Virajaska and others, Savarni of Savarni. 
Tanaya, the sons, Nripa, O King. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Translation, O King, when the period of the eighth Manu arrives, Savarni will become the Manu. Who will become the Manu? Savarni. Nirmoka and Virajaska will be among his sons. Nirmoka and Virajaska. Purport. The present reign is that of Vaivasvata Manu. According to astronomical calculations, we are now in the eighth, in the twenty-eighth yuga of Vaivasvata Manu. Each Manu lives for seventy-one yugas, and fourteen such Manus rule in one day of Lord Brahma. We are now in the period of Vaivasvata Manu, the seventh Manu. And the eighth Manu will come into existence after many millions of years. But Shukadeva Goswami, having heard from authorities, foretells that the eighth Manu will be Savarni and that Nirmoka and Virajaska will be among his sons. Shastra can foretell what will happen millions and millions of years in the future. And so ends Srila Prabhupada's purport to the verse. Uh, and the chapter continues uh, referring to uh, this, the second set of seven Manus. One way of understanding the structure of a major portion of the Bhagavatam, starting with Canto 4 and going through Canto 9, is a day in the life of Lord Brahma. So if, if you were, if someone were writing a book about you, a day in your life, maybe not so many people would be eager to read. It might not be a bestseller, <laughs> but then again, who knows? The Bhagavatam is telling the, a day in the life, we, we might want to say a typical day in the life. Uh, of Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma is generally somewhat in the background of these cantos, but of course he's very prominent in Canto 2 and uh, somewhat also in Canto 3. And then he kind of recedes to the background and we hear about the Manus. And as we're hearing about the Manus, in a way, they're just marking time. And then we get uh, descriptions of the Bhagavatas, because this is, after all, the Bhagavata Purana. And so, when we come to a chapter like this, where we get a lot of names, what are we getting? It's, it's a kind of interlude in one sense, it's the story of the day in the life of Brahma, but in a deeper level, it's an interlude in the real story. Because what is the real story? The real story is about the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his devotees, the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavata Purana. But we may wonder when we read some of these names, what is the point? 
What do we know about so many of these names that we hear? Perhaps we don't know anything at all. Uh, and so I'm reminded of what Srila uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur wrote in his famous essay. One of the first of his writings, uh, which is a speech called The Bhagavata, its philosophy, ethics, and theology. And he is, uh, in, this, in this article, in this speech, he is urging his audience to take the Bhagavatam seriously. He's speaking to uh, the so-called Bhadralok, uh, the sort of modern educated uh, um, cultured people of, of, of Bengal who are thinking that the Bhagavatam, oh, this is, this is nothing valuable for us, we have moved on, and so on. So he's, he's arguing for the importance of the Bhagavatam. And he says something a little bit hmm, almost shocking, one, one point he makes. He says, in a sort of polemic spirit, you may say, he says, if all of the Vedic literature, except the Srimad Bhagavatam, would be burned to ashes, like the library of Alexandria. Have you heard of the library of Alexandria? It was burned to ashes. He said, if all the Vedic literature, except the Bhagavatam, would be burned to ashes, there would be no loss. <laughs> because uh, we have the Srimad Bhagavatam. But he explains the Bhagavatam is bringing together the essential uh, substance of the Vedas and in doing so it is summarizing. I suppose someone someday is going to take it upon him or herself to go through all the names that are there in the Bhagavatam and compile a book with more details about these personalities from other Puranas and, uh, and the epics and the uh, Samhitas. But in the meantime, um, all, we can, all we may be able to say is indeed the Bhagavatam is giving us the whole story because the whole story is uh, not just the one day in the life of Brahma, but the ongoing story of the devotees of the Lord and how they interact with the Lord. And of course, one of the wonderful uh, celebrations in the Bhagavatam of such great devotee is that of uh, Bhishma Deva. Bhishma Deva is Bhishma. Uh, the word Bhishma is an exclamation. If you want to express uh, a kind of sense of being amazed and shocked and at the same time joyful in Sanskrit language, what do you say? Bhishma! <laughs> because this is what the devas exclaimed when they heard Bhishma Dev, Deva Vrata, exclaim, proclaim his Vrata, his famous Vrata, uh, his vow, such that his father, Shantanu, his father's desire to marry Satyavati, could be fulfilled. The vow, of course, was that uh, Bhishma would remain brahmachari for life. So Bhishma Dev is a big hero for the brahmachari ashram. Uh, and uh, this is, we can say, an extraordinary moment in the life of Bhishma, which is a life which is full of extraordinary moments starting with his birth. 
His birth is extraordinary, uh, and his, certainly his departure from the world is extraordinary, and his life is extraordinary in his um, dealings uh, with uh, the members of the Yadu dynasty and the Kuru dynasty and the Pandavas. He is often referred to as grandfather, although he's not a grandfather. He's not a father, so how can he be a grandfather? But he is regarded as grandfather. Why? Because in a sense he adopted uh, the Pandavas when they were very young. Their father had died, Pandu had died, and so he took them under his wing. Going back to his birth, one, one thing strikes me uh, in thinking about the fact that his mother is Ganga Devi, and that is that previous to the chapter in first canto, which is um, describing Bhishmadev, chapter 9, we have chapter 8 in which are the prayers of Kunti Devi. And one of those prayers in which she is praying to Lord Krishna who is present before her and who remains silent throughout her offering of prayers and who remains silent at the end, at the conclusion of her prayers, he also remains silent. What does he do? He simply smiles mildly. Uh, Krishna will also be present. He will also be present with Bhishma as Bhishma is, uh, is performing, we can say, his pastime of departing the world. And in a similar way, uh, Lord Krishna will be silent throughout that, um, in that meeting, completely silent, because the first canto is about Krishna departing. It is about the sense of separation from Krishna. Uh, it is the anticipation of the tenth canto, in which Krishna departs. It's an anticipation of the 11th canto. It's, it's a recognition that Krishna departs and therefore what, what can we do? We must take shelter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which is uh, the literary form of, uh, of the Lord. In this age, in this age of Kali. There is this sense of time. The time has come. We must now listen to the Bhagavatam if we want to have the Lord's presence. Uh, Kunti Devi is in the presence of Krishna and in his presence she prays to him uh, uh, that will you will let my attraction, my ratim, uh, be for you only. Let it flow. Udvahatam, let it flow. How? Just as the Ganga flows. Ganga Iva, Gange Iva, Gange Bogam, Gange Iva Ugam. Let my attraction to you flow as the Ganga flows to the sea. So I was thinking the, the flow of the Ganga, out of the flow of the Ganga appears Bhishma Deva. And Bhishma, at the end of his life, is flowing with instructions to the Pandavas. They're all coming uh, to hear from Bhishma what in the Bhagavatam is very much summarized but which in the Mahabharata is very much elaborated in the Shanti Parvan 
the extensive instructions of Bhishma. Just uh, a few days ago, we had good fortune of uh, visiting Kurukshetra, and there is a temple there in the place which is uh, said to be the place where Bhishma Dev departs the world. And there is a, a kind of diorama, I guess it's supposed to be an altar, but it's behind glass, so it's more like a diorama of Bhishma Dev lying on the bed of arrows. And the arrows are all there. He's, he's like a pin cushion uh, of, of arrows, and on top of each arrow uh, there was um, a flower offered, and all the Pandavas are there, and uh, Bhishma is lying there, and he's wearing chapals. <laughs> he's lying down, but he's wearing shoes, which I thought that's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> couldn't, couldn't they at least take off his shoes in that condition? But no, he's, he's a fighter. Uh, and his, his instructions are flowing uh, like the Ganga, we may say. And the Pandavas are hearing those instructions. But I couldn't help but also remember if we step back to an earlier time uh, in the life of Bhishma Deva, a moment of what seems like a kind of embarrassment on the part of Bhishma Deva. It is the gambling match. And as we know what happens, Yudhishthir in a fever in a gambling fever, seems to lose all reason. And in his, in his frantic state, what does he do? He gambles away his entire kingdom to Shakuni, uh, to, the, to the Kauravas. And he, not only that, he gambles away his own brothers. He gambles away himself. He gambles away Draupadi, and they drag Draupadi into the arena. And Draupadi says amazing things. She challenges. She says, how is it possible that my husband, who has already gambled himself, who has already become slave, how is it possible for him to be an owner? How is it possible for him to claim ownership to be able to gamble myself? And what is Mishma? All the elders are there and they are all silent. And what does Bhishma Dev say? It is very difficult to understand Dharma. Well, if you think about it, it didn't really have to be that difficult. But why was it difficult for him? Although his entire life has been a flow of care, caring for the Pandavas, caring for those uh, in his shelter, suddenly there's a problem. He has another principle he feels he needs to honor, and that is loyalty he feels he has to somehow be loyal to those who have sheltered him. And so he is silent. It's a rather mm, odd moment in many respects. I see it also as odd because Draupadi does not, although she challenges uh, this whole situation, she does not challenge the idea that someone can be a slave of someone else. She does not challenge that. Or does she? Perhaps in a deeper sense, by her questioning of Bhishma, in fact, she's actually challenging that possibility that one person can own another and therefore um, gamble that person into slavery. A very 
a very interesting passage in the life or period moment in the life of Bhishma. But then he comes uh, to the end of his life after uh, so many events and now there is this flow of uh, devotion, uh, 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 this flow of knowledge. But what I wanted to say is that the culmination, what is the culmination of his flow of knowledge about Dharma? It is the flow of devotion for Krishna. It's his utter, utterly unrestrained devotion for the Lord. And that is the powerful message that the Bhagavatam is giving. The Bhagavatam is giving a purport to the Mahabharata in many ways. And it's like an extended purport. And it's saying, it's saying these Pandavas and Bhishma and so many others who were so involved in so much uh, politics uh, in uh, this situation of uh, the um, of the Mahabharata, who are they really? What is their real identity? Uh, and so Bhishma is revealing his real identity is that of devotee of the Lord. But again, the Lord is silent. He is present and he is silent. So there's something mysterious about this. I'll just read one um, one prayer of Bhishma Dev. This is the beginning of his prayers. Iti matir upakalpita vitrishna Bhagavati sattvata pungave vibhumni Svatsukkam upagate kvachit vihartum Prakritim upeyushi yat bhava pravaha Bhishma Deva said let me now invest my thinking, feeling, and willing, which were so long engaged in different subjects and occupational duties, in the all-powerful Lord Sri Krishna. He is always self-satisfied, but sometimes, being the leader of the devotees, he enjoys transcendental pleasure by transcending, by descending on the material world although from him only the material world is created. So he's being descriptive of the qualities and qualifications of Krishna, but at the same time he's thanking him. You appear in this world, how kind you are, and you appeared to me. Not only that, you came and you fought with me. How wonderful. So in this sense of wonder, his love for Krishna is flowing. Uh, and that sense of uh, flowing devotion is an invitation to us uh, that we may also follow in Bhishma's footsteps in the sense of having, developing, cultivating a sense of devotion to the Lord which flows, which is non-stop. That is wanted. So I'll stop there, but I do want to hear from you uh, what you appreciate about Bhishma Dev uh, for a few minutes, if we can. If anyone would like to share something, some particular quality, particular moment in his life, uh, particular uh, yes, Maharaj. Uh, 1978, mm. and mm. He was doing a program for the bank in Oh. 
I never saw that. Did everyone hear? No. no. <laughs> uh, Hanumat Prashagat Swami is explaining that, or telling about a, a painting of Bhishmadev that was done by Bhakti Siddhanta. Oh, he sponsored the competition. Someone else painted. So it was a close up of Bhishmadeva. Um, looking very, we would say in English, gnarly, <laughs> uh, with many like creases and wrinkles, like an ancient, timeless, wise man. But he said, if you look closely, each of the, in each of the wrinkles, there was a pastime uh, illustration of uh, some pastime in, uh, involving Bishmadev, and that that painting. This was a competition. It won second prize? Second place. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, from the microphone. Back here. Thank you the the ethics okay asking me to Yeah. So, this view in that works of Bhishmadi as well as Mahadeva, he exposed the situation of ethics. This view is in collaboration with the situation of ethics. That sometimes there is a setting of strength. Whatever we do at that time, let's believe on that particular constraint. Oh. You're saying this is part of his instruction when he was speaking on Dharma? Yes. Okay. That's nice. I, I wasn't remembering that particular. He's saying that um, Dev, one of the instructions he gives on Dharma is that it's very much a matter of time, place, and circumstance, right? Um, and indeed, that is, uh, you could say, a kind of key idea in um, in, in, we can say, Vedic ethics. Sometimes modern scholars will say, Indian or Hindu, so-called Hinduism, there's no, there's no systematic um, elaboration or analysis of ethics, as is, you find, um, philosophical analysis of ethics in Western philosophy in quite developed way, but um, there is ethics. There's uh, so much ethics. Take uh, especially the Shanti Parvan, but also the entire literature, especially in the form of narrative. And this is responding to this point that ethics is very much a matter of time, place, circumstance. Desha Kala Patra. When there's narrative, you are looking at the particular situation and uh, the particular persons involved uh, and the time. The question, though, becomes in what way can one generalize from the particular? And that, that's a big subject. <laughs> um, the Bhagavatam makes it very simple in a way. It says, Savai Pungsang Paro Dharma. The highest Dharma is that by which uh, uh, Savai Pungsang Paro Dharma Yato Bhakti Radhoksha Jaya Haituki Apratiyata Yayatma Suprasidati. The self, the Atma, is completely satisfied. Su, not just Prasidati, but Suprasidati. Mm -hmm. 
completely satisfied uh, by serving the Lord, by engaging in service to the Lord, which is without interruption and which is uh, without hate to, without motivation. So that, that's, it's all there in that one statement, you can say. But then again, all right, so then what? What does that mean? And we have the whole elaboration of uh, bhakti literature, the, the Bhagavatam being the center of that literature. Uh, but uh, the, but Dev in the, in the Mahabharata, he's giving essentially uh, Smriti Shastra in Shanti Parvan. He's giving all details about the Varnas and the Ashramas. And what the Bhagavatam says about that is he then spoke on all of this. It's all in about one or two verses. <laughs> or three. That uh, Bhishmadev, he spoke on all different situations of all the varnas and all the ashramas. And then that's it. And then he begins his prayers uh, to Krishna. From which we understand this is, what is ethics? Ethics is take shelter of the Lord and serve the Lord and be dependent on the Lord. Yeah. Something else. Yes. Lady in the back. Microphone. Yes, very nice. Thank you. Um, maybe one other? Yes, Panchagoda Prabhu. Microphone. Forward to Panchagoda. Of the, of the devotees? Well, we, we have a sort of uh, simple out. You know, we always have an escape hatch for these questions. It's all Leela. <laughs> right? <laughs> if this had not, if, if Bhishma had spoken up, then, you know, we would not have had uh, the, 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 the situation that came about, uh, that uh, the Pandavas would, be, would again gamble and would, would then uh, be banished to the forest, etc., etc. Um, it's it's hypoth hypothetical. What if uh, we ask this question? But uh, the general idea, the general question of, of fault in the part of 
the devotee. Mm. Well, one way to approach this would be Krishna's statement in the Gita, Sahajam Karma Konteya Sadosham Apinatya Jet Sarvaramba Hidoshena Dume Nagnir Ivavrita. Every action is accompanied or brings about some fault. Krishna is explaining in the 18th chapter. There will be fault in the uh, observance of your duty. Sarvaram and, and but sahajam karma konteya sadosham api natya jet do not you may not therefore give up your duty. You you may not give up your duty on the plea that if I do this duty there will be a fault. So we can say that Bhishma is an example of that following that principle. He would not give up his duty in this case of without speaking he was keeping on the side of the Kauravas, which in a sense he had to do by his obligation to them. Uh, that's maybe one approach but we may get a more learned and deeper understanding from our Radharaman Maharaj. <coughs> Microphone. Yeah, <laughs> something. Think clearly. However, we know that part of the walk we took was because Timothy she was scared that if her son in law
was sitting on the throne. <laughs> oh, Hare Krishna. Yeah. So, from that first point, in one sense, we can say Bhishma is making a little confession. He's saying, yes, I was at fault. And here's the reason why I was at fault. Because I couldn't think clearly. Because of taking the grains, uh, right, from Durian. Huh? Yeah, Sahajam Karmagandhi. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Maharaj. Hare Krishna. So I think we'll end there. Oh, okay. Yes, good point. Thank you very much. Um, do we have time for another point? Okay. Back here. If I knew, if I knew where he where he is now, I might have hope of meeting him. <laughs> Radharaman Maharaj, you must know this. The question is, where is Bhishma Dev now? Yeah. 
the youngest, youngest. Okay, you good? You got that? That's that's the detailed explanation. There we got it. Okay, thank you all very much. Shila Prabhupada ki, Grantaraj Shimad Bhagavatam ki, Gaur Premanande.